Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Welcome to the Square Ball Podcast number 66 and it's quite exciting at this point because we're not sure as we record whether we've got theme music or not because I lost it in a computer meltdown so you may have just heard the music or you just may have heard the voice, Finchy from The Office. It's the lack of software to edit any of this as well. There is that. And to make the magazine. Anyway, those voices (laughs) that are in the studio, I've got Michael with me. Hello. Moscow White. Hello there. And Oddie. Hello. Quick note on the fanzine then, issue three of the fanzine will go on sale against Birmingham. We do have a few copies left of issue two, the one with David Weatherall on the cover. So if you'd like to get hold of one of those, uh, bother us at the Birmingham game or pick up one online at thesquareball.net. Subscriptions available on there too. White watching. And whilst we're feeling apologetic, we need to start off this section with an apology as well because we were going to come back and record ahead of the Newcastle game, but... We didn't manage to. We are recording this straight after the Newcastle game. So how do you think that one's going to go quickly? Let's get our predictions in now. I think we're good. We'll give them a good game. We'll sneak it 1-0, I think. I'm predicting 2-0 defeat. No, Just a feeling. Well. Yeah. I reckon uh, Cissé looks dangerous and that, uh, what's he called? It's not written down. Yeah, he's good, he's good on the edge of the box, though. <laughs> Quick turns. Isn't it Jethro? Jethro. Jethro, yeah, the um, West Country comedian. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. What I think most of all from this game is that travel arrangements to get back will be very simple and quick. It's only up the road. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, anyway, back to the start of this fortnight uh, that the last podcast covered, and we looked at the Bolton match, first of all. Um, that seems like ages ago. I know. Mm. We've had three defeats since, back on, you know, a very familiar feeling. Uh, it's so negative, Dan. We won this. Hooked on a feeling. Bolton nil leads one on Saturday, the 14th of September. Uh, we went there and we conquered against uh, Bolton. In front of another 5,000 fans, that was very good. There were a couple from Bolton as well, only a couple. Bolton fans are really not very happy at the moment. The two I know are, are suicidal. And they're to the point that they actually want Tony Pulis. <laughs> then they drastic. will have had Allardyce, Megson and Pulis. They've tried this Just football. Just imagine. Yeah. Have they tried this football business and People decided they this. don't like they're it? Asking, they're asking for this. Excuse me. 
Mr. Warnock's available. <laughs> yeah, wish see how far they get with that. Nothing wrong with Friedman. I'd have Friedman. This is just a blip that's happening to them. Little doogie, you'll Eight be all right. no wins. That's bad. Yeah, but he's got no players. Yeah, he's got more players than we have. No, no good ones. He ain't got a Varney. He hasn't got a, a Brown. He's got Beckford and Ungog up front who cost a combined, like, five million quid. Uh, We've got some lads straight out, fresh out of university. <laughs> <laughs> Ungog was never any good, though. I mean, that's no, never going to work. And he didn't. Did he buy Ungog? No, no, that was ages ago. Exactly, you see, it's all, Friedman's just dealing with, uh, dealing with the ass This is, you're listening to the, the Trotting Ball, the, your Bolton Wanderers podcast. What I have to say is as well, was this the game where the all yellow kit was sneakily introduced as well? The, uh, the badly thought out blue short situation was quickly remedied by uh, all yellow. Eddie Gray didn't like it. I heard that rumoured on Twitter and then I watched the LUTV highlights and it's basically the, the teams line up. And almost before the words are out of Tom Kerwin's mouth, when he went, Leeds United there and uh, changed shorts into a, an old gold kit. He'd say, don't like it, Tom. Don't don't like it. Like, All right, fashion expert, Eddie Gray, the last waltz. He's all, no, blue shorts. Um, so it's got to be blue shorts from now on, otherwise Eddie Gray isn't going to be happy. Well, the Bolton game, everything looked like it was going to continue all swimmingly, didn't it? Um, Beckford came back on, didn't really try again, but we knew that. <laughs> He's good for that. Yeah, a lot, yeah. a lot of the times you see players go back to an old club with a real burning desire to prove them wrong. He just sort of laughs, doesn't he? It's <laughs> me. <laughs> he wants to Waving. be. He hey. wants to be friends with us again, doesn't he? That's no, he wants to be, it's been eight games, no wins for Bolton, and then no goals either for Beckford. He's got to be desperate to get out of a no-scoring rut, but not today. <laughs> not a testimonial, this. more or less. <laughs> not in this lifetime. Anyway, the the game. Another apology as well. This is a triple apology. Um, onto the Reading game, which I we, we discussed the Bolton game in depth. There. <laughs> yeah. I mistakenly, this is more important. I mistakenly said it was on Sky. You did for, you? For some, and we all agreed. Yeah, I was all set to watch it. I was as well. Yeah. I was gutted. For some reason, in the recesses of my mind, it was on Sky. So apologies to everybody who thought it was on Sky. It was on. It was on at eight o'clock on Wednesday when all the other yeah. games kicked off at seven forty-five, which is a bit on weird. a Tuesday. It felt very Sky-ish. And I'd put it on the telly if I worked for Sky, Reading versus Leeds. McDermott goes not home, because I don't know where his home is, where he lays his hats, probably. But it's your fault, misleading a nation. Yeah. Apologies to those who didn't go to the game thinking, ah, it'd be all right, it's on Sky. I'm not <laughs> going to get a ticket, because the square ball yeah. said. But yeah, anyway. So it was picked up on uh, on Wacko, actually, a few people saying, I listened to the square ball podcast, and they said it was on Sky. <laughs> why, must be facts. Why would they lie? <laughs> Because a we liar. don't lie, we just don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it just, it just goes to show the uh, level of research and background knowledge that goes into right. this uh, this really shonky podcast. Um, crush- no intro music. Yes, yeah. that one, possibly. Um, this was an absolutely crushing blow, one of those uh, deep, deep, deep into injury time goals that um, brought back that familiar sinking feeling, just when you thought we'd got away with it, a, a hard-fought draw. It was kind of nice to get back to this. I'd, I'd missed... <laughs> Losing in the last minute. It's, you know, it's traditional. All this winning games and like excitement and re-engagement is all very well, but sometimes you just want to get home, put on your dirty old onesie, sit on the same old second-hand sofa and just watch Lost Boys for the 15th time. And that's what this was kind of like. Right, okay. <laughs> so you weren't watching them, you were listening to them because it wasn't on telly. And it's all Jason Pierce's fault anyway. It was the... Jason Pierce is going to be the worst attacking header of a footballer of, of a football I have ever seen. He, he just he's incapable of directing a ball downwards. It just flies off his head at any angle. 
coordination isn't his strong point. I still he gets in the position. I've backed him to be first scorer so many times, and so many times he should have won me like forty quid from my whopping pound bet. I I cherish a photograph we have from the Farsley game in pre-season where he's executing what appears like a brilliant attacking diving header. It's like watching Lee Chapman going through the air, but the ball is about six feet above him, four feet behind, and he's but he's just, you know, flying at the post. It's, it's the really tricky one on the spot the ball competition, that yes. isn't it, where they airbrush it out. People would think it would be a fix if you presented that as a as a spot the ball contest. And so he, he missed that and then Warnock uh Junior was so apoplectic with rage that he thought he'd go and uh, foul a man. And up until this point, Brian had turned us into the very antithesis of uh, of dirty leads. We were we had the best disciplinary record in the championship. And then you got Stephen Warnock fouling a man in Reading just to see him die. Anyway, I'm sure we were all delighted to uh, imagine Nigel Adkins celebrating after this game, PowerPoint presentation, and uh, I bet oh. he was straight back home to the wife, got the Sudoku book right out. Come on, darling, let's I solve was, a puzzle. I bet it was really. Overly nice to Brian as well. Rather than just doing a shake of hands, yeah. cheers. They're going, oh, you're so lucky there. Yeah, I've had a big motivational speak. You know, you can't feel bad. No, I know, I've been you where you are. Positive from this. <laughs> I've been in your position and I know what it feels like. One day you'll be in my position, but, you know, not soon. Well, but, you know, believe. You were, but yeah. <laughs> so were we annoyed at this game then? Because only four minutes were given in uh, in extra time and they scored in the 26th minute of extra time. Like Watford all over again. Wasn't there two minutes of added time while people worked out what Jason Pierce had done? Didn't they have to like pause the game for a while and, and yeah. have a... Processing <laughs> time. Yeah, exactly. Everybody just stopped and had a good think. Yeah, I think we can yeah. definitely rule out their goal as being unfair. So it was a nil-nil draw. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I, I had a Darren Ferguson lip out when that went in. <laughs> I'll be sure to notify the Football League about our decision and that'll be fine. Good. Yes. Extra point, please, gents. Alter the record. Well, if we've rushed through the other games, it's possibly because I want to get to this game, probably the most important one of all these, where we take on Sean Dyche's Burnley. Big match. Yeah, I mean, great to see the return of Sam Byram. Yay. And he nice. looks all right. I'm not I'm not buying that some people, already some people have been saying, oh, he's broken. It's all wrong. Admittedly, one of them was me throughout the game, just for pure um, novelty value, um, saying that he'd forgotten how to play and that was the real reason that he wasn't in the team. But, you know... No, I love it. Watch, you control the ball on the chest at least three times. I don't think we've got any other players who can control the ball on their chest. So that was pretty good to watch. Do we want to blame the referee for this defeat, Lee Probert? Yeah. I Never think. liked his face. No, no, neither have I. He's one of these, but he, he's only been refereeing our game, I imagine, because he's been a bad boy in the Premiership. And they send him they send him to us for punishment. That's exactly true, actually. I can't remember which game it was, but he was definitely down on detention. It's not very fair, that. That old rule, but it's like, ah, just send him for that. It's like a kids' match or whatever in it, the championship. Don't matter, really. Yeah. Let him make the mistakes it's there. like a detention. I mean, whatever game is on at Elland Road is normally one of the biggest games of the day in terms of crowd and expectation, so it's hardly a demotion. Well, yeah, 26,500, bigger than a lot of Premier League attendances. Just worth taking a little uh, detour on the attendance and just mention that um, first non-sky-affected uh, or police-affected kickoff in a while, Saturday, 3 o'clock, and we did, you know, Good crowd, twenty six and a half, which is considerably up on last season's attendance of uh, what was the average twenty one and a half. So mm-hmm. and, a, and a high of twenty five and a half. So yeah, yeah, not bad. We're doing all right. I like the phrasing on on the sheet. Is this a new power attendance? And I think at the moment, if we can keep getting twenty six, twenty five thousand, and being in the top half of the championship, progress. 
that Sam Vokes looked all right, didn't he? Then um, scored the winning goal in this particular game. We should perhaps have a look at him. He'll have, uh, I doubt his manager will let him go after performances like these. He'll be working himself into his uh, his boss's good books. That's what, Sam Vokes. I mean, what would his boss say about this? I'm just wondering. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure he had some words of praise for him. Maybe it took him out for a drink after the game and uh, and told him what he really thought. Because I'm mainly the one that's put the prep sheet together today. Um, not ordinarily, one of you would have copy and pasted his full post match interview in there. But, <laughs> but oh, he, oh, he doesn't seem to be there, <laughs> which is a shame. So we're just going to have to do it. Improvise. So Sean's we're going to have, we're gonna have to imagine how Sean Dyche felt at the end of that game. I can't imagine. He's speechless, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> just just astonished to have got the got the result. I, I think I I it seems like a man who would deal in cliches, you know, a bit like he's over the moon with the three points, pleased to return, you know, things like that. That's what I imagine. Yeah, probably. <laughs> how how would that sound? That's that's what I'm and I'm just wondering I'm try, I can't really hear it in my head. It's just It's tough. Yeah. It's tough to uh if only we could maybe have some kind of recreation or Yeah, or a, a I don't want to say impression so much, but something that represents what that would be like. You're not going to do it, are you? Ah. Do you have to talk tomorrow at any time? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the thoughts there of Sean Deitch. <laughs> we were, I didn't think we were as bad as people seemed to be making out afterwards on forums. People were saying it was terrible. and But I thought we actually created more chances than we have in a, a lot of games. Just we, yeah. There was no one in the middle to I, stick a head on it. I counted six in, or five or six in the six yard box that were all missed. Varney's. Varney's free header. Varney's free, oh. which I was analysing this sort of frame by frame. I think he, he did that deliberately. Not with the intention of missing. The ball came across and he... Was he trying to loop it back, do you think? He rolls to head it and for some reason he thought that if he headed it up and over the bar into the cop, that would be a goal for Leeds. Because he did it with such precision and you could see kind of the thought process like, yes, this is what I'm going to do. Head it in the air and it will go over the bar and it will be a goal. And then when he came down, he suddenly realised the rules of football. Um, so, but, you know, he'd had the thought, executed it perfectly. We just have to fix the thought. Do you want to quickly revise your uh, decision that Jason Pierce is the worst attacking header of a ball? Then, or? He has, the thing is, he, he scored he scored good headers in the past. He did one against Bolton. He's done it against Sheffield Wednesday last year. He Twice. Got, got a couple of good ones there. He looked quite, I dare say, it looked almost instinctive in a way he doesn't look with his feet. But then <laughs> and this one, I suppose maybe having loads of space. And loads of time. And watching it, thinking, it's mine. It's mine, this. this is what, no, it's not. This is why I keep thinking it's deliberate. It was a great header. It was just absolutely the wrong thing to do. But that's Which, the problem we have. There was front. also the what I thought looked. I've not seen a replay, but it looked to me like a penalty on White. It was certainly the kind of mm. thing the referee was giving them free kicks for all afternoon, where someone just leans on the back and they go down, which is what he just continually did in midfield. But it was too much of a pussy to give a penalty for it. You've, you've slipped into Sean Dyche language <laughs> again. If you're going to talk like so- Sean Dyche. Sound like referee was a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the return of the pussy on the podcast, right? (laughs) So, from that, pussy um, pod, (laughs) (laughs) from that, we went up to the northeast, didn't we? We played in the league cup last night, as it is, as we are recording this 2 0 defeat and probably deserved all in all. All in all, we started well. I was watching it, I should level, I was watching this on an internet stream that 
was at times so poor I couldn't tell the difference between Matt Smith and Pauline. Well, to be honest, I was so high up in the uh, in the stand, I couldn't either. Because <laughs> it was a fair old trek up to the top of that stand. Did you have your oxygen with you as well? Yeah, you know, yeah. At your age, yeah. that sort of, you know. Kind the of... stand I took ages. <laughs> <laughs> Missed the first half. <laughs> so, yeah, what can we draw from this then? You were there, Oddie. Tell us about it. I thought we played well. We were lucky. We, we held our own for quite a while. McCormack shot that hit the bar. If that had gone in, that would have been amazing. The bloody uh, crossbar this year. It's robbed uh, us of... If yeah. it made the nets bigger, we'd have had Austin's goal and that one. We want to go back to Oddie's day when they just used to use tape. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. But had we had scored that, we might have got done about 6-1, I think, if we scored that early. Angered um, them. We, yeah. yeah, we were good, I thought. I think it was, we were unlucky. Given the resources at our yeah. relative disposal. I mean, if, you, if you compare our players against players on 20, 30 grand a week, we did really well. There was something about the way they scored those two goals, with were, how fast the ball moves. Yeah. It's just like... I mean, yeah, we, I yeah. think we did gift him the first as well. But managing The defenders managed to be perfectly equally spaced with a, a man stood in the middle yeah. and neither of them seemingly that interested in it. It's quite an art form, that. Yeah. 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 It, was, it, was, it was a thing of beauty. But, but, and the sec- I mean, their second goal is one of those you just kind of go, ah, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> but CC had missed a couple of sitters a bit earlier than that as well. He, he did the double he, sort he of... Did that. Air shot that he missed completely as well. He managed to tee himself up. He, he hit a shot so badly, he teed himself up perfectly. Yeah. And then he did it, missed it and entirely missed it again. <laughs> I like him. We should sign him. Well, I was listening to that on Radio Leeds and both Ben Parker and Adam Pope were absolutely flabbergasted by that, I think. Mm. Um, so we don't need to worry too much about this League Cup exit because, you know, Premier League side, etc., etc., as we were saying. Uh, but overall, you get the feeling that we're not creating enough chances as reflected by our scoring record. Mm-hmm. We create... An average amount, but we score like we finish a bit low average amount. So it's kind of it's kind of like what people used to say about Beckford that you need loads of chances to score. I think our whole team needs loads of chances to score, but we're only creating a medium amount of chances. So basically, everybody up front needs to go and be replaced. You're with reducing this to players. kind of a, like an Amiga football game here: shooting, Absolutely. good, medium, or low. <laughs> that's kind of yeah, chances, that's, medium, that's conversion, low. <laughs> That's the, uh, yeah, I mean, they don't have access to the Opta statistics, so I've just got to make do with what I can get. I was going to say, we don't even know when our games are on the telly, so never mind <laughs> actual statistics. The news. So there we were, bemoaning the lack of goals in our side, and that neatly dovetails into the start of this bit about possible players in. We are getting linked with strikers. I mean, it's been in the YEP this week that Brian has said he's... Uh, He's hoping to bring in a striker ahead of the Millwall game this coming weekend. I think he's been hoping to bring in a striker all summer. Yes, that's that's the caveat there, isn't it? Um, it's worth putting it into context that it's Thursday night. We're recording the podcast. Uh, it's currently quarter to seven. So I fully expect that when we get out of here about half past eight, we'll have signed a striker on loan. It's just a matter of, so now we'll have a discussion about who it might be and we'll be wrong. That's normally when we have a new magazine out. That's when the big signings happen. Well, the signing won't be David Bentley. He's not coming, even though he's free and amenable to that's, the idea. That's quite you say he's free, I think it would be quite expensive, to be honest. Yeah. He's yeah. on Job Seekers Allowance at the moment. <laughs> Ken will tell you, won't he? <laughs> yeah, Ken will tell exactly. you. Um, Matty Fryer was one name that's been dropped into the hat, but that's been sort of poo-pooed by Brian, hasn't it? Yeah, Phil Hayes said something about I think there was um, a scouting mission to Hull, which was less than impressive. <laughs> so, because nah. it was in... Yeah, not signing anyone from Hull. Yes. <laughs> Alex Bruce. Yes. Um, but some of the names being linked, Shane Long, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Why would he come to us? He's a Leeds fan. 
Yeah, didn't he almost sign for Hull in the transfer window? I believe for it was about, Hull for about five million, five million yeah. pounds. Yeah. And we're going to now come along and Long say, and can we have him... For five pence. Can we have him, like, just... We'll borrow him for a bit and we'll give you, like, £800 a week to See, cover I, his wages. I did this. I, lo- I loaned my streamer to one of my neighbours and it came back broken. They're surely not going to want to lend us Shane Long in case we break him. Yeah, it seems odd that... I mean, he's got the history with McDermott and he is apparently a Leeds fan, so the... There is maybe more chance than there would otherwise be. It's like that Warnock factor with Brown and um, Kenny, but they're better players. And the McDermott factor with Hunt. Um, well, Billy Sharp has now gone to Reading, hasn't he? Mm. Which possibly opens up the door for an Le- exit from Reading. Le Fondle. Yeah, who, who crushed us mercilessly uh, a week or two back with that late goal. Yeah, we'll break him. First thing that happens at training is he gets a sock in the jaw and then he can play. I mean, he is the kind of player that... I- I suspect might have scored against Burnley with those mm. balls that were dotting around the box. We don't have anyone who's very instinctive because McCormack is a good is a good striker, but he's a bit more of a thoughtful running about outside the box type. He doesn't just stand on the six yard line and wait for the ball to hit him. No, that's what kind the of what traditional like. sort of number nine type. Yeah, character. Well, it's fine. He can hang around the six yard box and wait for the ball to hit him and then miss. Yeah. <laughs> There's one name that is on this sheet in front of me, uh, the elephant in the I room. Didn't, I didn't put this name on there. The, it's in capitals as well, so I'm guessing, I'm <laughs> guessing that Moscow added this to the sheet at the 11th hour. Mr. Luciano Becchio. Please, please. He's retired. He doesn't want to come back he's here and not, bother himself. He got football. on the bench for the League Cup game. Exactly, on the bench for a League Cup game. It doesn't matter. Ignore what's happened since. Just concentrate on how it was. He spent four months on the beach walking his kids. So he'll be rested. Somebody else has suggested on Twitter that he wouldn't be match fit or alternatively that he'd be dead fit because he hasn't played. He won't be tired. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be, it it would be great. And the boost of his return, it's almost like putting everything back the way it was before Neil Warnock ever happened and made everything horrible. Morrison has already ended up back at Millwall, which is his spiritual home. Remember, he left Millwall where he was brilliant, went to Norwich, he was all right there, came to us and then quickly was returned to his home planet. And now it's time. The, the only thing that remains out of kilter in the universe is Luciano Becchio not playing for Leeds United. He just needs to come home. I can see it now, him coming in, Noel Hunt just stripping off the shirt and going, yeah, there's your 10 back. No, Get out see, there and I, score I a goal. I kind of go along with what Michael just said, then it'll never be the same. It's good. It'll be better. It won't be the same. And we'll quickly, you'll know, you know what he did last time. We'll quickly get tired. I know tired. it wasn't maybe his fault, but, and I know he was drunk. <laughs> I think we'll get tired happens. of the falling over and the, the control that goes 15 feet away from him. And you'll never be able to trust him again. If he plays well, you'll be thinking, oh, is he looking at other clubs? I never think he wanted to leave. I think Neil Warnock just sent him away. But he did leave. He left us. He left us. He, left he us. did because leave the you. big, bad Neil Warnock. He left us for somebody with a better car. Exiled him. He was like being excommunicated by a bad Pope. That I, agree, wha- I agree with Moscow. It's like the Snodgrass that we mentioned last time, that if you get someone to buy into what you're trying to do with a club, which is what McDermott's doing with players, yeah. I think if it, had McDermott been there at that time, I think it is dead. Imagine Brian McDermott giving Luciano Becchio like the supportive team talk that he never got from Neil Warnock and you can see Luciano Becchio's face just remaining completely blank because he doesn't understand the word. <laughs> it will be beautiful. And go, you get a ball head. <laughs> Fucking unbelievable. Do you know what you've sold? You've sold it to me now. I love it. In the, ab- you know, in the absence of any other strikers, yes. well, I, actually, I actually would have him back. I would that's ra- not I quite would... a compliment though, is it? No. I, would rather, I would rather we got someone else What you're saying is Luciano Becchio we... is better than your right hand. <laughs> yes, yes. To mix the metaphors there. 
<laughs> I don't want to be alone. Anyone will do. But is is it what you were saying there that it's just the absence of anybody else? I mean, if we got another striker, maybe we wouldn't pine after Lucy so much. Well, we had another striker, Morrison. Well, you say striker. See, I've, I mean, yeah. We've tried that and it didn't work. Yeah, he's all right. He seems a bit shit. From what <laughs> <laughs> to put, not put too fine a point on it. I'm willing to give him some time because when I think back to when I first saw Beckford, that was my opinion of him too. And he's, he's you know, he hasn't been a professional very long. He's not played in the championship before. He's only just done his GCSEs or whatever they do at O levels or his so, NVQ, hasn't he? So yeah, so maybe maybe he will be better. God, I hope so. Mind you, you could say the same for Luke Murphy, who's not really pulled up any trees yet, and he cost a mil. He looks alright to me. He's alright. He's a bit anonymous sometimes. He was very poor against Burnley. I thought he barely seemed to touch the ball. He can pass. He was one of the ones who was enjoying Byron being back because he's like, great, I can send a forty-yard pass and he'll control it on the chest. So he just kept doing that, even whether Byron could then do anything with it or not. Um, but yeah, you know, we're starting to see those looping passes. Anyway, listen, let's move on because we know that the, the root cause and the problem of all this is our ongoing lack of uh, financial muscle. Um, there have I, been... thought, I thought you were moving on to the tra- no, players out section, which is nobody. So you're going to blame Danny Pugh. Okay, yeah. So that's sorry. I'm, yeah, sorry. Danny Pugh, it's your fault. Uh, and Michael Brown. Onto the rumblings of the takeover. Jury's all right. <laughs> Onto the rumblings of takeover. We've we've seen some murmurings around the stock market and some Saudi royals uh, this week. Nobody's got a clue what it means. Yeah, do you know what? I've actually it's my mistake here as well. Another apology, but I've kind of mentally switched off from all this now because I'm bored of it. Mm. I just want something to happen, and when it does, like, yeah, okay, good. I think the problem is with uh, GFH's business model as they publicly stated it is selling off bits of Leeds United so it does mean that whenever um, some massively rich Saudi royal or whoever expresses an interest in like buying a bit of Leeds United we get another full takeover rumour because we just assume because they're that rich they're going to buy the whole thing if they are going to buy they'll probably just buy you know 5% like everybody else and we'll end and we'll just you know another week will go by and then another 5% will come in and spark another rumour of a takeover and probably as I speak what is it it's five to seven now it'll be confirmed by half past seven <laughs> that we've been bang sold but while we're in here people are celebrating the uh, takeover <laughs> yeah always we're always just joyfully behind the curve and I like that about yeah. us that's what we do best we'll get back we'll get outside and we'll have, we'll have paid 10 million pounds for Becchio with a, a payment to FIFA to uh, reopen the transfer window just because, <laughs> just because we can well Al Reyes is gone we do know that Hisham Al Reyes from the board of Leeds City Holdings, hasn't he? He always seemed like the funky one to me. He was the cool guy in the background. Yeah, yeah. he was, wore a good shirt in his uh, his Twitter photograph and seemed quite like he had some uh, jazz poetry that he was holding back on us. Now we'll never know. Well, Salah Nuruddin thinks that we deserve better as Leeds fans, having witnessed our 6,000 strong decampment to St James's Park last night. Do we deserve better than them? <laughs> there, there was we a... do, and we have to... Have done for a long time, I think. There was a strange reply to that tweet that I saw that I couldn't work out if it was serious, and I'm assuming it was, because he said, uh, great travelling support, uh, the 6,000 fans that went deserve better. And somebody replied saying, how much longer have we got to suffer? Enough is enough. (laughs) The season's not been that bad so far. It's It's better than it was. Yes, but it was somebody really angry. When are you guys going to sort it out? How much longer is this going to go on? 2-0 defeat to a Premier League team. It's killing me. 
it's very strange. Hey, speaking of Twitter, have you seen Carlton Palmer? Oh, good God. Carlton Palmer. It's beautiful. Um, the only beautiful thing that's ever been associated he with Carlton can, Palmer. He thinks you can contact anyone in the world by putting at in front of it. Yeah. I, <laughs> for example, one of his tweets this week was uh, referencing his own wife. So he put at Mrs. MRS. <laughs> Space Palmer, so it just went. I'll get to her. I'll get yeah. to her. Won't it? it just he he tweets like he played. It's all I can say. It's just it, it's hard to explain exactly how funny it is because there's no point in us mm. describing at symbols and hashtags to you on this podcast. Just track him down. He's at Carlton Palmer three, and just just watch just watch the disaster unfold. What's beautiful about it is how many people are trying to help him. I assume this is very much like his football <laughs> as well. People explain to him every time, like Carlton. No, the way he's supposed to do it is this, and he was like, "Oh, thanks a lot for the help." Still, still getting the grips with this. Next week, completely exactly the same mistakes all over again. You just, can- just reading at Charles Dickens. <laughs> right, good read or whatever he says. He's a brummy, and what do they say? Right, good hashtag read. It would be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Carlton, do I not like that? Um, got to say congratulations to Eddie Gray. We've mentioned this before on the pod, but it's now happened. He's been inducted into the National Football Museum Hall of Fame, and deservedly so. Does that mean he can't do the commentaries anymore because he's inside a glass box? <laughs> well, we need to keep the dust off him, don't we? Yes. We're going to put him in the uh, the Eastern Museum. Yeah, he can go to the Leeds Museum, never mind the National it's Football very, Museum. It's a very open-air feel, that museum at the moment. <laughs> seems seems not really built. Al fresco. <laughs> Well, good. Deserved if he should be in all the museums in all the world. Should Eddie Gray, He's, he was that good. He even even is. the sex museum in Amsterdam. <laughs> he makes me feel a bit sexy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Apologies for anyone listening to, to me say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could watch that Burnley goal and get mildly aroused, couldn't you? That worry dribbles round everyone. Oh, dear. <laughs> dribbles. Oh, God. I don't really know where we're going with this. No. Congratulations to Eddie Gray on your... <laughs> Your your fine yep. honour. You were always a, a noble player. And a sexy and a, guy. And a sexy guy. <laughs> we're sorry, Eddie. We're really sorry. Did you see Lucas the Cop Cat on the telly this week then? That was funny. Well, it wasn't funny. It, it was just funny seeing suddenly appear on the telly. <laughs> it's been pointed out to me that Lucas the Cop Cat has an absolutely giant head and pin-like legs. Mm-hmm. He looks ready to topple over and possibly savage a child at any moment. It looks like he's got Andros Townsend proportions. <laughs> there have been those long-standing rumours that Lucas is a woman. Never known if there's any truth. You, you have you checked it you for sex Lucas? Organs, or? I did meet Lucas, but I couldn't. I didn't cop a feel. <laughs> I think you should have. I'm not Carlton Palmer. I kept my hands <laughs> above uh, above the shoulders. I don't mean on you the didn't face. Touch, you didn't touch. <laughs> <laughs> Just over his mouth. <laughs> Get in the van. Take your claws off. The cat. <laughs> um. Oh, anyway, it was nice to see Jimmy Carr describe Leeds United as the football team from the 80s. That was... Uh, Surely 70s years. would be more appropriate. Possibly so, yeah. Now, L- Lucas did as proud, came on, did a dance, fucked off. Textbook. In this part of the podcast, then, we are going to talk about rebuilding. Not the Ken Bates kind of rebuild. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. ...but rebuilding of squads and teams and things. Uh, because Moscow, in your other role, your Bruce Wayne role, you write for the City Talking website and newspaper. And on the website, you did a thing about rebuilding, didn't you? So let's talk about that and the subject in general. Go. It actually it came out of that Ken Dimanche guy off of Twitter, Adam Jubb, who does um, the Fear and Loathing in LS11 website, raised points. Somebody else, I'd heard it floating around where people were comparing the fact that we've become very hard to beat, but also finding it very difficult to score and as a result, finding it quite difficult to win. Seems quite a lot like the early days of George Graham, only a little bit more entertaining. And there's a lot of truth in that, in that we were... George Graham had a job of rescuing Leeds United, which I always thought was a bit harsh on poor old Howard Wilkinson, who basically, whatever he did that season, he was going to be sacked because we'd just been taken over. But then, yeah, George Graham basically came in and decided we weren't going to play any football that season. We were going to play... Seven defenders. Have we got the sample lineup written down that I did we on have. here? Which one have we got? The nil-nil draw at the home. Nil draw with Derby, which was. Um... That's right. Mark Beanie in goal because Martin wasn't playing. The defenders, like the the uh, formation, is impossible to work out. But we had on the pitch in defensive mode: Kelly, Dorigo, Palmer, Radaby, Molinar, <laughs> Haller. Jackson. Jackson was more of like um, a Beckenbauer character, though, as I remember him. He could, <laughs> he, could, he could pick a pass. He wasn't purely defensive. But that leaves three players, Bowyer, Dean and Wallace. Um, and just in case it wasn't potent enough, uh, Ian Rush did come on as a sub for Wallace. Now, and- you see, formation-wise, you asked what formation that might have been in. I foresee like a big line, like sort of British bulldog in the playground kind of thing. Just a big line of seven. Yeah. Maybe a line of six, Jackson chasing. <laughs> What I think it actually, I think the way it worked, looking at that, I think it will have been... I mean, Kelly on the right wing, I imagine. Looks like maybe Haller on the right-hand side of the defence, doesn't it, with Kelly in front of him somewhere. Dorigo on the still, left. He could still run then, couldn't he, Kelly? I remember Radaby being in midfield quite a lot, but then where would Palmer be? It's just impossible to work out. Basically, George Graham's tactic was how to save a football club, pick all the defenders and play them. And it was just because there was a bit of negativity creeping in about Brian McDermott, who was doing a rebuilding job after Neil Warnock has left us basically in tatters with our morale at rock bottom. But he's managing to do it. And having the spectre of George Graham raised seems a little bit unfair on Brian McDermott's rebuilding project when he isn't following a legendary manager in the form of Howard Wilkinson. He's following Neil bloody Warnock and everything he did to demoralise and destroy our club 
as we discussed earlier, by ex- exiling our best players to the to Holland or wherever it is that Norwich is now, and is managing to do it while still retaining quite a happy a happy place. It goes to pains to to stress as well about doing things in the right way. I mean, I heard, I heard his um, his interview uh, post match yesterday. I heard it on the way in actually on the radio, and he was saying, you know, that he, he stresses that they have to play the right way. I think that's an important thing. Whereas Graham chucked all that out the window, didn't he? And it was all just about the result. You know, the the ends justifies the means. Mm. But I think McDermott's sort of acutely aware that there has to be a bit of entertainment value built built into this rebuilding job, otherwise. It's pretty much going to be a lost cause because people will stop coming like they did under Warnock and he's relying on that for any sort of money at the minute, isn't he? People coming through the gate. I sometimes look back at the George Graham era and wonder if he wasn't using the rebuilding thing as an excuse for just like coasting for a season because he, he, you know, he hadn't been working because he'd been banned. He'd just been taking things easy, come back, get a job, but not really wanting to do because he never moved to Leeds. He was, uh, couldn't really be bothered coming up all the time and just like, you know what? I'll just play all the defenders for a bit, and if I'm still there at the end of the season, I might sign somebody then. It was a stepping stone wait to move, for a bigger move, I think. Well, Definitely. yeah. Tottenham. A bigger London move. A, yeah. a more desirable move, shall we yes. say. Although, Harrogate, where he was living, in a lovely flat overlooking uh, the Stray, very nice part of the world, if you're not familiar with it. He didn't have it that bad, is what I'm saying. Oh, no, and so... Because um, we had... Uh, Harry Kewell was around, and um, Andy Gray... His appearances were cut from like he was just bursting through under Howard Wilkinson was like the one bright spark. George Graham came in, didn't play, not interested in him because he could have Gunnar Haller on the wing. Gunnar, Gunnar Haller was a good player for us. Gunnar Haller was a very good player for us. I would rather he wasn't playing on the wing. Yeah, I was going to say not necessarily the answer to our wing problems. But then again, you know, credit to Graham, um, which in retrospect you, you almost don't want to give because of the way that he left us. But you look at Jimmy Hasselbank, I think apart from Yeboah, probably the best striker I've seen at Ellen Road in a while. Mm. But then he also signed Derek Lilly. Yeah, there is that. And Pierre Laurent. Pierre Laurent, yeah. He signed Alfie Harland. He signed Pierre Laurent. He signed David Hopkin. I don't think he signed any other bad players because he didn't really sign any other players. Because that first season, he didn't bother buying anybody. He had Ian Rush. didn't need to. <laughs> Everything you need right there. <laughs> That's, I, I think what I was trying to get was the, looking back at the George Graham rebuilding job. He gets a total pass now that it's 13 years. Everyone looks at that first season and goes, you know, we had to do it. If Brian McDermott had come in and he was standing there on the sideline saying, you know, I'm not going to sign anybody. Michael Brown is here and he's just going to have to play up front. That's just the way it is. I'm working with him. Everybody would be absolutely livid. Yeah, but there is a grain of truth in it because I've just scribbled down the words Bosman ruling on my piece of paper. And the, there's been such a monumental shift in the power base in football in that the Bosman ruling has taken over and the players have all the power now in terms of contracts and money and leaving when they want. But... In actual fact, we know we've been lumbered with a massive pile of steaming shit out on road. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Danny Pugh and Michael Brown getting his extra year. And it's, it seems obviously quite deliberate that when Warnock was playing Brown to earn him an extra year, that now we are doing quite the opposite. And we're, basically, this extra year has now lumbered us with him for a year where we can't play him. So we just have to accept that this year we need to see out these contracts and get rid of these liabilities, don't we? Absolutely. But when um, George Graham was doing a similar thing, we were rubbish. McDermott's doing it. We're all right. We've already had, I mean, the Brighton game this season. Well, do we do we know if we're all right or not? Or do we just accept that we're better than we were? I've already had more fun this season than in all of George Graham's first season than we ever had under Neil Warnock. Because football, you always lose. Like, one team can win the league and the other 23, like, the best you can hope for is coming second. But you get a, you might get a cup final 
but that's like a cup final once every five years. Brighton looking back with the last minute winner, with the capacity crowd, with the sunshine, everybody feeling, it almost feels like a Wembley Cup final. Celebrations after the game, <clears throat> beer, we would, I was on the roof of Oddie's car as we were <laughs> <laughs> naked, car surfing back through Holbeck. And it almost, it feels like we had a, a party. What about the George Graham party where we uh, relegated Middlesbrough? That was and we made a small Brazilian child cry on the pitch. That was <laughs> well, good. One well, of my favourite pastimes, that. One of my favourite pastimes. Yeah, that's just inflicting misery on other people, which I think is one of the Leeds United uh, specialities. After, yeah, se- after the season we'd suffered, it was a bit like the um, the Watford win at the end of last season, that game. Mm. In the bit like we'd had a really shit season and the most we could hope for was just to make someone else's season shit. Yeah. <laughs> Piss on someone's party. That's how, uh, how much improved uh, McDermott has made it in that we've already had sort of celebration for something we did really well. I just think there's like the, the negativity is starting to creep. You know, people tweeting at Solana Rudden and saying, how much longer are we going to have to suffer like this? It's like, well, there is a rebuilding job going on and as rebuilding jobs go, this is way, way better than the last major rebuilding job, which we all look back at and say, what a great, great season that was from George Graham, really sensible stuff. Solid had to be done, just had to go through it. it. Was at the time people were probably spitting feathers, and nobody enjoyed it. Everybody hated it. Everybody was in the garden eating worms, and it's <laughs> we just need to concentrate on how good we've got it. But is it perhaps just another expression of the frustration that people are feeling that you know we're in a, a day and an age where everybody wants everything yesterday? It's an instant satisf- satisfaction culture, isn't it? You see the likes of Man City and things like that, who have money thrown in their laps. And there's perhaps just an element of frustration that we're having to do it a little bit more gently. And at times we're not that good and it's not great to watch, but people are prone to want to vent this frustration. And that's all that's happening. It's not, uh, people are not turning against McDermott. They're just angry at the situation, not being as good as they want it. Why don't they just chill out? (laughs) I think for me, McDermott's get, he's doing a better job than Graham for a first season because you can see Graham's first season, like you said, it was just, I'm going to survive with these players for this year. And then we'll see what we can do next year. Whereas McDermott, he does seem to be having at least a little bit of a plan. There are a lot of players who will, well, should be better next year. The likes of Wooten and Pauly and, and Murphy and Smith and Lees and all these kind of young players who you think, well, that they can form an important part of the squad next year. Whereas I do get the feeling Howard Wilkinson probably never thought Mark Jackson was any good. It's just he thought, ah, he can run, can he? He's a bit defensive. Yeah. He'll do until that Woodgate's ready. I say he, ready. Could run. he couldn't really run, could he, from my memory of him? <laughs> He's pretty bad. No, I think Mark Ford maybe that's well. something we've underestimated and it's something we've become used to is the, the ridiculous churn of players and lack of stability in the squad. You know, we all know that good teams take a while to build mm. and it's not something we've done over the last I mean, few look years. At, look, at Burn- was- look at Burnley last year. They were not, they were still in with the chance of going down as we were in the towards the end of the season, but this year they've started really well and it's just sometimes having a having a consistent team and Danny Ings has come back. I think he was injured for a while after they signed him and he's he's now in the team, even though they've lost Charlie Austin. You'll de- well, detail knowledge um, of the Burnley side. It's almost like you have some kind of managerial <laughs> oversight there. <laughs> well, Sam Vokes we had on loan, what, three years ago? How many players on that pitch would were there then when he was around? He Tom Lees, been. and he wasn't even playing. Yeah, Aidan White. <laughs> but in three years, that's a massive turnover yeah. of people for... We, have, well, we we construct basically a whole new side every summer and have done for the difference is last seasons. night. Even though we lost uh, Newcastle, they were still cheering McDermott's name as yeah. the players were walking off. They were still chanting his name as people were walking out. Going through Newcastle, they were still chanting his name. That's 
It's, it's faith. People in, are buying into it. It's faith in what he's trying to do because he's clearly spelled out a plan, hasn't he? And on the whole, yeah. people can see it's not his fault. We can't buy. We haven't got another million pound to splash. Well, that's what you were saying. You've said before, Michael, about you know buy cheap, buy twice, and it's some, you know we go back to what's happened over the course of the last few years, and that, that's exactly what we've done because every year we get lumbered with the shit, mm. yeah. don't we? That somebody new under the manager comes in and has to get rid of all the Gwyn Williams signings and the yeah. and the crap players that we want, you know, the contracts to expire, but then we replace them, or we have done with shit players with no potential because they're just the ones that we can actually manage to secure, you know, or, you know, another club that's going bankrupt like Portsmouth and we just raid them for all their generic midfielders. But this is a side that's now going to develop, isn't it? You look at, you know, Wooton, Lees, Pierce, uh, Murphy, Byram, White, uh, <laughs> Smith, Polion, all time to develop and grow together yeah. as a unit. And there's, I think, um, almost conversely to that is with the current striking problem, is McDermott showing he's not going to be afraid to do a little bit of churning when churning becomes necessary? Because we've gone how many ever games we've played so far, we're not scoring enough goals. So he said, right, going to look at buying a striker. When George Graham's rebuilding team wasn't scoring enough goals, he'd put Dean up front. If that didn't work, he'd try Rush. If Rush didn't work, he'd try Dean. If Dean didn't work, he'd try Rush. <laughs> And when that didn't, and meantime, we had Tony Yaboa, who George Graham decided he hated and just got rid of. Fortunately, McDermott seems to, just as rebuilding jobs go, that seems to be the benchmark of all rebuilding jobs. And, I, and the more I looked back at it, the more I thought, what the fuck was George Graham actually doing? <laughs> Whereas last season, we had a decent goal scorer, and Warwick just got rid of him. Don't. So you just had to bring that up again. He identified the problem. Yes. <laughs> Too many goals from well, that, yeah. It was Yeah, it was very similar. What was the problem with Yeboah? I think he just thought he was another Brolin. And so just... But he was brilliant. Yeah, and he was, he was and these, injured. these exceptional talents, you need to nurture and cuddle and bring back in the right way, don't you? Yeah. And look after him in a special way. I think Yeboah said since that he had, a, like, he had a hamstring injury and George Graham just thought he was putting it on and <laughs> accused him of being lazy and not trying. There would have been so, bloody grit, big hamstrings, haven't there? It's just a ham injury. <laughs> <laughs> we, we ain't got it too bad, I think, as rebuilding jobs go, and that seems to be McDermott's job. Too many people kind of go, like, how are we going to get promoted this season if we go on like this? Well, we're not. We're not, no. We're not. No. But well, The thing is, we've needed rebuilding for a long time, and it's starting to happen now. Yeah. So we shouldn't get on the board's back, really, and we shouldn't get on McDermott's back, certainly. Um, because we're not signing. Well, yeah, the, bo- the board of we we know to an extent that the board have picked up the tab for the bait excesses, don't we? So maybe over time, if you know if they're still here, that um, the, the pressure may increase them next summer when we know, for example, that the ticketus is loan, we don't have to fork out three point three million to them for our East Stand loan. So there's more money going to be in the club as of next summer. So maybe we're looking, uh, you know, next summer is the time when we will uh, look for a concerted push towards the top end. I think if we can finish this season mid-table, but with the likes of Moat having had racked up 20 games, you know, Tom Lee's having another season, I think that'll be progress Yes, for once. A decent finish and some decent football. And what you've said there about McDermott, you know, identifying problems like, yeah, Warnock identified the problem being Becchio, the, <laughs> the only one who scored any goals for us and then yes. shipped him off in favour of shithouse Morrison. Uh, but in this instance, McDermott seems to have identified the right sort of problems. Yes. For example, yeah. uh, the expensive ageing footballers who've 
are crap, really, yes. and we don't really want that he will let them go because it seems obvious to do so rather than play them every game until they get a new contract and ostracise the good ones. Michael Brown's alleged appearance fees were never really a big problem at Leeds United, apart from when we had to pay them. Coming up. Well, if you've suffered your way through three quarters of this podcast, you'll be pleased to know that we're on the final bit now. Uh, we'll have a look at the games that are on the way. And everybody's favourite away trip is coming up on Saturday. That's Millwall. Yay. They're doing well, aren't they? They're doing depressingly well now. Really? Mm. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it when they were beating 5-1 at home. But then they won. They beat top of the league then, which seemed a bit unfair. What will be kind of good is... Well, it's Paul Ince, so it's hard to... Mm. Mm. It was a tough yeah. one. Millwall Ince. If Millwall are successful with their current setup, it's going to be kind of good because it's Steve Lomas and they hate him. So all that their the greatest success may come with a West Ham player as their manager. Serve them right. Even, I hope even their pleasures are painful. It's just one of those clubs you just want to sink without a trace, don't you? Mm-hmm. Really? And take I, Morrison with them. I remember an old Bidil and Skinner fantasy football where they had... Um, they found a clip of Steve Lomas scoring a goal and he kind of went aggressively thrusting towards the crowd and it appeared yeah, he, had, he had an erection. Yeah. <laughs> so it, a it small might, one. He might, 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 might well be on YouTube still, that clip somewhere. Yeah. Worth looking for. Google uh, Millwall hard on. <laughs> it's a very sexy podcast, this one. Yeah, it it's like that yeah. photo of Jan Agafiotov that I found at an old... Kissing Tim Flowers? No, no, he's celebrating a goal God, when he, he scored... Man, he? he did that as well. He scored for uh, Middlesbrough. And there's a photo of him, there's blood pouring out of a cut in his eye. He's, he's yelling and he's got his arms akimbo. And uh, there seems to be quite a lot going on in the shorts as well. It's a big moment for him. A snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Leeds fan as well, he's Jan Fjortoft. Yep. Nice to see, follow him on Twitter. Um, well, Just the leg- in the hopes that he gets aroused again. Well, indeed. Uh, the legend Morrison, he's not allowed to play in this one, is he, under the terms of his loan? Which is a shame. Should have been, yeah. should have been, we should have made him play as part th- of the terms. I think as part of the terms of his loan, he should have been blindfolded. Dragged into the middle of the field and beaten. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been. In well, the if they lose heavily on Saturday, then that could happen. Yes, knowing their lot. Bermondsey justice, I believe they call that. Yeah, yeah. I don't was it the derby game when somebody ran on the pitch and pushed Brian, uh, Brian Clough, <laughs> Nigel Clough over? Probably. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, and, and then, then ran uh, across the pitch into the stand and not once you had yeah. managed to find them. But, yeah, hey, but they don't have a problem. They no, don't. No, they no. don't have a problem. They're, they're a family club. They won family right. club of the year, didn't they? Yeah. I hope they. Certain I hope kinds they, of families. I hope <laughs> the families are out with their uh, gathering round to make make the turkey flags and everything. Print them all off. With the Come mums. on, Dad. Dad, I can't get the inkjet working. No, it's all right. I'll show you how. Get some turkey flags printed. Get your Galatasaray shirts on. They all love the mothers, though, don't they? Oh, they do. God, they love their mums. <laughs> <laughs> and the Queen. <laughs> Etc. My mum is the Queen. Oh, our old Queen. So, we never win there. We're overdue a win there. We are going to win there. Yes. Yeah, we're going to smash Due a win. We yeah. are due a win and yeah. we're due smashing Millwall so the two things can happen concurrently. And they have been shitter this year than they have been in a while. I, I feel they may struggle without uh, old gopher face. <laughs> I did make the joke, I think it was earlier in the season, that was. it might not have been my joke, but somebody said, no jacket required. Uh, he is, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, anyway, on to another manager, Mr. Eddie Howe. Yes, he's back with Bournemouth and they're visiting us on a Tuesday night, which is a very big surprise given that we always play Bournemouth on a Tuesday for something that happened 20-odd years ago. It's good that they're, it's- they're making... Their fans travel on a Tuesday as well. Though, yeah. it it's, it's reciprocal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. That's the thing, yeah. As if they were going to come and smash up Leeds. Come, come and tidy it all up. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had a... We Put had a, doilies under everything. Yeah. All the old people in, uh, in Bournemouth. 
Eddie Howe explaining why they've had it. We had a nice trip for the uh, some of the old folks, bring them up in there, have a day out in the city, maybe go to a museum, maybe uh, a few of the cafes, look, look around Harvey Nicks. They can't afford to buy anything, but sometimes it's nice just to look, isn't it, you know? Did you see the clip on um, BBC News of, of the people, drunk people on a night out, fixing a bike rack? Yes. That's what that's what they can do, that kind of thing. Bend we it go, all back into place, there we go, lovely. <laughs> we go ruin towns. <laughs> oh God, we're awful. But in a good way. Bournemouth are having a mad season. What are they on? Eighth, goal difference of minus six. <laughs> lost 5-1 to Huddersfield, lost 6, well, 6-1 to Watford's now special. Losing 5-1 to Huddersfield's pretty special. Even Jonathan Woodgate scored for them. So what we're saying is anything could happen here. High scoring. This will be the game we... Like 2-0. We, two, like two we find our goals. <laughs> They're all... Luciano returned for this game. His, his glorious return to Ellen Road. Nice to see, by the way, Ian Hart will be returning to Ellen Road. He's retired to the seaside, hasn't he? Hey? Yeah, classic. Does he play there? He's never even knew. Yeah, he's gone down there. He's no. It's a bit warmer, isn't it? It's easier on the bones. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. He's not playing much, but he is playing a bit. So there's a it's chance. Same as always, really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> free kicks. He's still more of a free kick. He's special man. teams. Yeah. He's basically special teams, isn't he? Like in American football, you know, this. remember when Clive Allen played American football just because he could kick it? Was it the London Broncos he signed for? Did he? Did yes, he? he did. Don't you remember that? No. Do you remember when they tried no. to do the worldwide American football thing and they had the London Broncos? Hmm. And he signed for the London Broncos as a kicker because he used to be able to kick a football, yeah. Wouldn't you want a goalkeeper for that rather than a six-yard box goal poacher? Perhaps, yeah. But imagine it's Clive Allen in Americans pants. know about football. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Anyway, on to Derby, right? This one's on Sky. Oh, no. They're all on Sky. Every single <laughs> yeah. game's on Sky. <laughs> yeah. You can go to Dan's house to watch them. He well, has some, a special feed. Something we did miss out of the news section is that we are on Sky again, aren't we? On, on Boxing Day at tea time, Blackpool. That will end well. That yeah. won't end. <laughs> oh, good <laughs> God. A couple of hours extra drinking. Yeah. Blackpool. No trains yeah. running as well, so everyone will stay over. Yeah. I imagine it'll be as successful as when we played Middlesbrough and it was a late kickoff. Walking back to the train station was a bit, a little bit like a battle scene from <laughs> Lord, Lord of the Rings. Of the, Rings. <laughs> <laughs> the police just seemed to have a, a general scattering of people about who were just trying to stop things as and when it happened, which was quite regularly. Um, so yeah, back to the Derby game. Sorry, yes, we were saying. Um, last year, was the, the Albino child took yeah. us to pieces, didn't Yeah, he? it was dead good. There's, some, it, there's a difference this time. Rudy Austin's playing. Ah, the destroyer. His nemesis. I've, I've been looking forward to this. Basically, for, as soon as Rudy Austin came back and became captain and it became clear he was fit, I've been looking forward to him absolutely dismantling this little twerp. I don't care how interested Barcelona are, apparently, in signing him. Rudy Austin is going to destroy that little run. Well, I agree. It is written. <laughs> yeah. Literally destroy him or just yes. some niggling injuries? No. Okay. Total destroy limbs everywhere. Pulp. Yeah. Okay. All there will be is like a little... His hair. His hair. <laughs> <laughs> scattered around the pitch. In a bloody, bloody pulp. You're like, wait, 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 the cat's had a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then across these three games, how do you think we're going to fare? I mean, you could argue, based on what we've faced recently in terms of QPR, we've had Reading, obviously... Um, difficult games there. Burnley have been at the top end. We've got these three eminently winnable games. Would you take two wins out of the three? Maybe draw at Derby, something like that? Yeah, Derby's tough. Do they? I mean, they really get up for this and it creates a better atmosphere at, at Pride Park. But when we visit, it always seems to be the case. And, uh, you know, Among many clubs that really fancy a game against us, they do. But hopefully we're made of sterner stuff now under Mr McDermott. 
God, I hope so. They haven't got Robbie Savage anymore. Someone reassure me. <laughs> no, he's not there. He's on your television. Ah, oh, isn't he? That's good. And one of my mates is a Derby fan. I had a long conversation with him about Robbie Savage because he caused us problems and irritants whilst he was a bit immobile down there when we all had our square ball day out a couple of years back. Hmm. Uh, but he absolutely lambasted Savage and hated him. Good. Join well, the I club. Think everyone hates him, really. Yeah. yeah. He has that universal appeal of everybody hating him. The Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight. Speaking of uh, dislikable characters, it's time for the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight. This, if you haven't heard it before, is our fortnightly award given to somebody who has caused us misery in our ongoing perpetual state of misery as Leeds United fans. It's not as miserable as it has been now, is it? No, it's not, but, it's not but George Graham. there's always miserable. somebody who causes us misery. So this award is given to somebody who has caused us misery across the last fortnight. Uh, naturally, we would nominate Ken Bates first because, well, Why? I've written down Sean Harvey, but we can give it to Ken, because Sean Harvey wouldn't be who he is without Ken, I don't think. Yeah, Ken Bates for not sacking Sean Harvey as soon as he came through the door. For allowing him to have a decent role on his CV. Yeah. Which... Presumably doesn't include all the administrations on his CV. So what were you, what were you going to nominate Sean Harvey for? Then? For starting his, his new job. Has he um, caused us misery, or is it just that he started his new job? I mean, uh, The fact that he still is around football causes me misery. He's now he's broadened his horizons from making Leeds fans miserable to mm. um, the fans of every club. A, cl- a classic case of the lunatics running the asylum. Yeah. Okay. So Sean's down with Ken there. In hell. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Oh, yeah. Can I nominate the Highways Agency? For yes, yes. He shut the A1 last night on the trip back from Newcastle. Not which... not the most um, comprehensive travel planning, that, was it? Not really, no. Um, it did cause misery to quite a lot of Leeds fans who took a magical mystery tour across the northeast. If you're not familiar with the geography of the northeast, there is only really one way in and that's out, right. isn't there? Yeah, that's the A1. You can go down the A- A19, but that involves passing Middlesbrough, which is not to be recommended for anyone. Just don't. Just keep your windows closed if you're going past Middlesbrough. Um, Moscow did his best to help you out, didn't he? Yeah, I would also like to nominate Moscow for his uh, travel updates. Yeah, he's stuck on the A1. He was tweeting. You said, "Yeah, A1's still shut." No, we have some emails flying around normally late on the night, and um, I'd emailed just just to mention that uh, I was going to nominate the A1 at the Highways Agency. Yeah. Uh, and Moscow told me that the A1 was actually shut until six o'clock. I help, I went on the Transport Direct website and I looked for the latest travel news for you and gave you what the news was. Said the road <laughs> is going to reopen at six a.m. I don't um, know what you more. did. However, it, tell him several times. Yes, it was the well, update, the five-minute updates that I got. It's still well, closed. It's, it's yeah. still closed. They kept updating the website. I thought you'd want the latest news, and it was still, you know, reopening at yeah. six a.m. Yeah. Seems fair enough to me. You help somebody out, you get nominated for a Ken Bates Award. Last time I help anybody. Well, I'm going to nominate Oddie for being ungrateful. Okay. Let's get a bit playgroundy now. <laughs> anybody else? Uh, Lee Probert, the Premiership referee man who did the uh, Burnley game. Uh, we didn't cover this in the game, but they had a play down injured for at least four minutes. Then there were, I think, about five substitutions and a goal, and he added on a total of six minutes, which didn't seem quite right to me. Plus, they were time-wasting for... The entire second half. So what you're saying is it's not fair. He should have, yeah, he should have played until we scored, yes. like the guy at Reading did for them. <laughs> equality. It's the least. We want Bradley Johnson style equality, don't it's, we? It's the least he could have done. We could really still be playing that game by now. I think. <laughs> right. So to wrap this one up, then you've got Ken nominated for not sacking Sean when he should have done right at the start. Sean for having a new job and inflicting misery on everybody, including us. There's a lot of good people without jobs at the moment. True. And Sean Harvey's got one. 
Uh, Oddie wants to nominate the Highways Agency for closing the A1 after the Newcastle game. He wants to nominate Moscow <laughs> for rubbing it in about the Highways Agency closing the A1 after That's the Newcastle game. Very Moscow, in spite, wants to nominate Oddie for being ungrateful. And uh, Michael, you want to nominate Lee Probert for terrible refereeing. Gents, do we have a consensus on who should be taking home this glittering award? They're um, all worthy, <laughs> apart from me, obviously. I still say the highways. I think I think the highways agency probably do deserve it. For just a, a spectacular lack of uh, planning because they caused misery on mass, didn't they? Yeah. It's not oh, just yeah. people oh, in the yeah. studio. I mean, so yeah. congratulations then, uh, road resurfacing people or whatever it is you do. <laughs> that road was fine as it was. Oddie's horse and cart was uh, loved the old cobbles. He's had them in the in the family for years. <laughs> his his coachman and horses had no problem navigating the dirt track. Any other business? Okay, then to wrap up this edition of the Square Ball podcast, we should remind you that issue three of the Square Ball is coming out against Birmingham at Ellen Road. Any quick indications, early indications about what's going to be in this fine publication? Got a couple of interviews. Some interesting, some not. <laughs> I didn't mean that. <laughs> well, we're going to print. We're, we're printing stuff that's not some interesting. Other interesting interviews. Who oh, knew? <laughs> well, there'll be some interesting ones as well, just to mix it up a bit. Yeah. Okay. What? What exactly do you mean by that? Can you expand on what you're saying there and make it make sense this time? No. No, he can't. There'll be oh. some stuff in it. We've got a ten-page. Uh, well, at the moment it's ten pages. We don't know whether we're going to run the whole thing, or it might be over two issues. John Howe meets Bill Fotherby. That'll be. That um, will be interesting. It, yeah, it's a monster, and it looks great. Uh, uh, not Bill Fotherby. <laughs> <laughs> He's a monster, but he looks great. He, he is kind of a monster, but in a good way, like an Eric Hall way, and he looks great. Leeds characters of the 90s must be fearful of John Howe. He's just following them round at the moment. <laughs> He's hunting them all down one by one. Had Wilkinson, next father be. Who will be next in John Howe's? Mick Hennigan had better look out. Does, has he inherited your book of petty grievances from uh, last season, maybe? I think he's he's being very nice to them all because he's, he's a polite gentleman, is John Howe. He's not being, he's, if he's got any grievances, he's keeping them to himself. Well, we should look out. Or he's shitting in the plant pot on the way out. <laughs> well, we should look forward to issue three of the square ball uh, hitting the streets against Birmingham. We've got some left of issue two. If you want one, it's very good. We've got an interview with Howard Wilkinson in it, in which John Howe goes round to his house. Doesn't have a cup of tea because he didn't get offered one. <laughs> Probably the only criticism to come out of that interview. No actual he interview He was held well. at knife point. And loads of other good stuff in there too. So make sure you pick one of those up. When you buy issue three, as we say, against Birmingham, you can also buy them online at thesquareball.net. Uh, that wraps it up, I think, for this time. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, will we? Oh, God, this is painfully close to my wedding <laughs> into the international break. <laughs> Get in touch with us ahead of that podcast at thesquareball.net. You can email that address. Uh, tweet at the Square Ball and subscribe us on Facebook as well. That's it for now. Bye from me and Michael. Goodbye. And Moscow White. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We look forward to uh, speaking to you again in a fortnight. Keep well. The Square Ball Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.